This is a Faith FM podcast. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Hello there, and thanks again for joining me once again. I'm Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to The Faith Experiment, and this is episode number 21. And I'm calling this episode, How the Bible Got 66 Books. Now, if you're joining me for the first time, the faith experiment is about putting faith into practice. And so far, I've been sharing with you my own personal journey of faith and how I went from a non-believer to a faith experimenter. And over the last few episodes, we've been exploring the theme of Bible study. And on this episode, we'll be exploring the question, how did the Bible get 66 books? Who decided that? And why only 66 books? Why not more? Why not less? Now, on this episode, I have an e-guide that I put together that will help summarize some of the topic today. So stick around to get the code word during the show. You'll need the code word to text to 0488-453-11. So save that number on your phone, 0488-453-11, and wait for today's code word. Now, I mentioned the last few episodes that As I've met with people and shared my story and my experiences during this faith experiment, the most common question that I get asked is, Robbie, how do you study the Bible? And as I've said, even though this is a good question, it's an important question, it's what I call a surface question, because the answer to this question will only give you surface answers. It will give you a formula, a framework, or a pattern, or a template, which for many people, does give a satisfaction in knowing that that's how Robbie studies the Bible. But it doesn't lay a good, deep, and lasting foundation for your own faith experiment with the Bible and the study of it. And so I've proposed on the last few episodes that I want to take a number of episodes to explore this topic of Bible study, because after all, it is the foundation to our faith experiments. But I'm going to take my time, I'm going to dig a little bit deeper, and I want to look at a series of more probing questions on this thing. And I think and I hope that uh, you'll see the Bible in a new and brighter light. So, let's recap. We first looked at the question of what is the purpose of the Bible? Because our answer to this question deeply influences our approach to Bible study. And so, we've established what the purpose of the Bible is from the Bible's own writings and words. We've seen from the teachings of Jesus that the purpose of the Bible is to serve as a living and breathing witness or martyr. And this martyr testifies of who Jesus is. And then we saw how Paul explains how this practically works. As you spend time in the Bible, there are four lenses that reveal Jesus. And these lenses are the lens of doctrine, the lens of reproof, the lens of correction, and the lens of instruction in righteousness. And through these lenses, we should come to know Jesus intimately because these lenses as a whole make up the testimony of Jesus or the witness of Jesus. And the ultimate goal of the Bible, the ultimate goal of these witnesses, and the whole purpose of the Bible is summarized in Paul's message to Timothy where he states that through the Scriptures, And through these four lenses, as they witness or testify of Jesus, it transforms us into complete men and women of God and makes us equipped with every good work. Then we explored the topic of the anatomy of the Bible, and we saw how that the Bible is not a book, but a collection of books, and that these books are divided into two sections, the Old and New Testaments, one looking forward to the Messiah and the other looking back at the Messiah. And we looked at how these testaments are divided into various categories. We discovered that the Old Testament has 39 books that are divided into four categories, while the New Testament has 27 books divided into five categories. We also found that chapters and verses were added hundreds of years later. And as useful as these chapters and verses are, they're not inspired by God, and they're really only there to help us with our referencing and indexing of the Bible. And remembering this, that when it comes to the Bible and the Bible study, we should never allow chapters and verses to limit our understanding of the greater context of the portion that we're studying. And on our last episode, we looked at the process of how we got the Bible, how it came from God's mind 
to the printed page. And we explored three terms, revelation, inspiration, and prophets. And we learned that it all starts with something that God wants us to know. And we call that the revelation. This is what God wants to reveal to the human race. And it's this revelation that God, through the Holy Spirit, inspires the human mind with. This inspiration is how the human mind receives the revelation. Sometimes it might be via a dream or a vision or a direct audible voice. But we found that in most cases, these revelations were shown to the human mind and then they were expected to communicate it in their own words, their own images and symbols and language. This is why the Bible is full of expressions like, and I saw, and it had an appearance of. These humans who were inspired to communicate these revelations, they used what was available to them to explain what they had received. And in some cases, they even used other people's works and words to explain what they were trying to say. For example, Paul borrowed words from a pagan uh, author And he said that what he says in this instance is truth because it conveyed the same idea that he was inspired with. Another example is Jesus. Jesus quoted from the Old Testament. He used the writings of Isaiah to communicate the message that he had to give to the people. John the Baptist quoted from Isaiah. Moses used phrases that were common in his time among some of the heathen nations. And so all of this highlights that as we study the Bible, It's imperative that we understand the writings of these prophets as they would have meant at the time that they were written. So we need to understand the writer's culture, the ideas of the time, the symbols and everyday items and how they were used in their writings in order to understand their significance. As this would bring us the closest to the original idea at the time the revelation was received. Now, if you've missed any of the previous episodes and you want to catch up on some of these details, you can get the Faith FM app from your app store or go to faithfm.com.au and look under the podcast section for the Faith Experiment. Now, in this episode, I want to take up what I see as the next logical question. Now that we understand the purpose of the Bible and how the Bible has been put together, as in its physical anatomy of testaments and books and chapters and verses, and we understand now how that we got the Bible through revelation, given through inspiration, through the prophets, we want to turn our attention to this simple question. How did the Bible get 66 books? Have you ever wondered why there are exactly 39 books in the Old Testament and just 27 books in the New Testament? And why are some books like the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Peter or Nicodemus, why aren't these a part of our Bible today? Well, that's what we're going to look at on today's episode. Well, it's time to take a short break now, but when we come back, we will look at how the Bible got 66 books. And don't forget to stick around to get today's code word for today's e-guide on this topic. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. You're listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Connect with us via text message on 04888-45311. That's 04888-45311. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au. Oh, I need this pain we bear 
Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Listen live or listen later. Get the Faith FM app from your app store today. Welcome back to the Faith Experiment. I'm your host, Robbie Bergen, and you're listening to episode 21 of the Faith Experiment. And I'm calling this episode, How the Bible Got 66 Books. And coming up on today's show is the code word to get an e-guide for today's topic. So on this episode, we're talking about the Bible and the study of the Bible. But as we break down this theme and start looking at the basics of the Bible, and now that we understand what the purpose of the Bible is, and how we got the anatomy of the Bible, and how we actually got the Bible, now we're looking at why does the Bible have 66 books? And to understand the answer to this question, we need to break it down into two parts. You see, as we've already learned, the Bible is divided into two sections called Testaments. And we've seen on previous episodes that there is an Old Testament and a New Testament. And between these two Testaments, there's about a 400-year gap. So understand this question of how did the Bible end up with 66 books? We'll break it down by Testaments. We'll look at why the Bible has 39 books in the Old Testament. And then we'll look at why the Bible has 27 books in the New Testament. So let's start by looking at the Old Testament. In your Bible today, if you open up the table of contents and count the number of books in the Old Testament, you'll find that there are 39 books. Now, these 39 books represent what in Jesus' day would have been called the Scriptures. This is what, when this word Scripture is used in the Bible, it's talking about. And this is what we call today the Old Testament or the Jewish Bible. Now, If you go to your local Bible bookstore and you buy a Jewish Bible and you open it up and you count the number of books inside the Jewish Bible, you might be surprised to find that there are only 24 books, not 39 like we have in our Protestant Christian Old Testament. And so right off the bat, 
there's a difference, a big difference. There's 14 books difference between the original Jewish Bible and our Protestant Christian Old Testament Bible. And the question is, why? Well, you don't have to worry. The Protestant Christian Old Testament Bible and the Jewish Bible are actually identical, even though the number of books are completely different. Because it all comes down to how the Jews and the Christians arrange and order the books of the Old Testament. Even though there are 39 books in the Protestant Christian Old Testament and only 24 books in the Jewish Bible, this is because in the Protestant Old Testament we divide books like Kings, Samuel and Chronicles into book 1 and 2. So that's why if you open up a Old Testament, you'll find 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Samuel, and 1st and 2nd Chronicles. Whereas in the Jewish Bible, they consider each one of these books just one book. One book of Kings, one book of Samuel, one book of Chronicles. So right there, there is already a three-book discrepancy. But next, in the Jewish Bible, the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are considered to be one story with two authors. So in their arrangement, in the Jewish Bible, it's just one book called, funny enough, Ezra Nehemiah. Whereas in our Protestant Christian Old Testament, this book's been divided into two books based on the two authors. That's why you'll find a book called Ezra and a book called Nehemiah in your Old Testament. And that accounts for one more additional discrepancy, bringing us to four books difference between the Jewish Bible and the Old Testament. Now, this still leaves us with an 11-book difference. Well, all of that's taken care of with the next division. In the Jewish Bible, the writings of Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, and Zechariah, and Malachi, they're all grouped into one book called the Twelve. Whereas in our Protestant Christian Old Testament, each one of these authors' writings are broken up into one of their own books. But these 12, even in our Old Testament, are generally called the minor prophets in your table of contents. This grouping of the 12 into one book in the Jewish Bible accounts for the remaining 11-book difference between the Jewish and the Protestant Bibles. And so even though there is a difference between the number of books, the actual content is identical between the Jewish Bible and the Protestant Old Testament. Now, right before Jesus' ascension back to his Father in the New Testament accounts found in the Gospels, Jesus gives us a clue as to what the Scriptures were in his day. This is what he says in Luke chapter 22, verse 44. It says, Then Jesus said to them, These are the words which I have spoken to you while I was still with you, that these things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets, and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. In this passage, Jesus reflects the fact that in his day, the Scriptures were made up of the law, which is referring to the five books of Moses, the prophets, which refer to the books of Joshua, Judges, Samuel, Kings, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the twelve minor prophets. And the third section Jesus calls the Psalms in Hebrew is known as either the Psalms or the writings. And this is made up of the books of Psalms, Proverbs, Job, Song of Solomon, Ruth, Lamentations, Ecclesiastes, Esther, Daniel, Ezra, and Chronicles. Now what Jesus called the scriptures and used as the scriptures had already been established and used for more than 400 years since the last book of Malachi was written marking the end of what we call the canon of Scripture, or the Old Testament. But how can we be sure that what Jesus was using as Scripture in his day was in fact the same Scripture that was used 400 years before? And second, how can we be sure that the Scripture we have today is the same Scripture that Jesus used? Well, that question was answered in 1947. You see, in 1947, there was a a Bedouin boy, a, a nomadic tribe who lived near the Dead Sea in what is today Israel. One day this shepherd boy had lost a goat, and so he started looking for this goat in all the caves in that area, and he was throwing rocks into each of these caves trying to flush out the goat when he heard some kind of pottery shatter. So he climbed up into the cave, 
and found what today is the most incredible archaeological discovery pretty much ever. He found clay jars full of old scrolls, hundreds of them. Now, these scrolls have become known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. And among all of these scrolls, they discovered fragments of every book in the Protestant or Jewish Bible, except for the Book of Esther. Now, when they dated these scrolls, they found that they ranged between 200 and 150 B.C. That's between 150 to 200 years before Jesus was born. So this was a very exciting and important discovery. So whatever these scrolls had inside of them was going to show us what the scriptures contained some 200 years before Jesus was even born. Now, when the experts compared the scrolls, with what we have today in the Old Testament Bible or the Jewish Bible, what they found was remarkable. They found that the texts were almost identical. Every fragment they found of the Old Testament or the Jewish Bible was almost identical to what we have today. And I say almost identical because there were some differences between what's in our Bible and what was in these 2,200-year-old scrolls. And of course, you want to know what the differences were, right? Well, the differences were spelling. You see, some of the ways that the names of places were spelt differently to what is in our Bibles today. There was also a few grammatical variants, but that was it. There was absolutely no difference in the content or the message. That's the only difference the experts could find between 2,200-year-old scrolls and the Old Testament you have in your Bible today. This is absolutely remarkable when you think about it. The finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls gives us complete confidence that what we're reading in our Old Testament of our Bibles today is the exact same message that the prophets were given thousands of years before. You know, there's a verse in the writings of King David that maybe he wrote with this kind of insight. It's found in Psalm chapter 12, verse 6 and 7. He writes this. It says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of the earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them. O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. And so, as we look at the Old Testament that we have today, we can be absolutely assured that those 39 books contain the same information, the same laws, the same prophets, and the same psalms that Jesus was familiar with and used in his day. Well, it's time to take a short break now, but when we come back, I'll continue exploring today's topic of how the Bible got 66 books. And don't forget to stick around to get today's code word for today's e-guide. I'll be right back after this with The Faith Experiment. The Faith Experiment is made possible because of people like you. If you enjoy what we are doing, please consider supporting us by making a donation on our website at faithfm.com.au slash donate. I can feel when my mind starts to creep into doubt On the days when the strength in my heart's given There's a light, but it hides from me deep in the cloud There's a voice that I need, but I don't hear a sound If I run into what I can see Fighting out of all my unbeliefs Father, even in my song will be I know you will always carry me It's inevitable Set your promise to play on repeat in my When you meet my anxiety, put it to death Ever running to what I can see Fire 
Questions about this episode? Robbie would love to hear from you. Send a text to 04888 
to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen right across Australia, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen and this is episode 21 of The Faith Experiment, which I'm calling How the Bible Got 66 Books. And coming up is today's code word for today's e-guide on this topic of How the Bible Got 66 Books. Now, before the break, we started exploring this topic of how the Bible got 66 books and we found that when we looked at the Protestant Christian Old Testament and we compared it to the Jewish Bible, we find that even though the number of books is different, the content is identical and the difference comes down in the way the stories are divided and grouped. We also found that with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, many of which date back to 200 years before the time of Jesus, these scrolls, when they're compared to the modern Protestant Christian Old Testament, they are almost identical, with the only differences being spelling of names and places and some grammar. Again, we find that we have absolute confidence that the Old Testament we're reading today in our Bible is the same as what Jesus had in his day and was the same that was used more than 400 years before his birth. Now, if you missed the start of today's show or you just want to catch up on some of the past episodes, be sure to go and check out The Faith Experiment on the Faith FM app in your app store or on the Faith FM website under the podcast section on faithfm.com.au. So now that we have confidence that the Old Testament in our Bible is the same as what was originally written and that we have all the same stories and the teachings which make up the law, the prophets and the writings, let's now turn our attention to the New Testament. How did the New Testament get 27 books? Well, as I've already shared, the New Testament contains 27 books, but there's lots of questions around how and why it has 27 books. Some say there should be more than 27 books in the New Testament, and they should include books like the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Mary Magdalene or the Gospel of Peter or the Gospel of Nicodemus. There's even a letter called the Gospel of Judas that some say should be a part of the New Testament. Now, these books make up what are known as the New Testament Apocrypha. And the word Apocrypha literally means the putting away of or things that are non-canical, which basically means these books don't measure up to the canon or the rule or the measuring stick of the New Testament. Now, each of these books in the Apocrypha, in full or in part, contradict what is known as the canon or the 27 books that we have in our Bibles today. Now, many claim that what we now call the New Testament, all these 27 books, it wasn't compiled until hundreds of years after the life of Christ and the first apostles. And it was only established when a church council convened to decide which books are in and which books are out. Now, this idea was made even more popular in a book called The Da Vinci Code, which came out a few years ago. It was even turned into a movie, and it was written by a guy called Dan Brown. Now, in his book, which is considered historical fiction, but for whatever reason, a lot of Christian folk actually seem to think it's historical fact. In his book, Dan Brown claims that the New Testament list of the Bible, the 27 books we have, was established by Emperor Constantine, who personally chose which books would be in and which books would be out at the Council of Nicaea in AD 325. And all of this plays into the historical plot of twists and turns that somehow These other apocryphal books claim to have the real truth that's been intentionally hidden from the masses. Now, as interesting as his book might be, and as popular as his book may be, his claims are just not true. In fact, Dr. Ernest Martin, 
He states in his book called Restoring the Origin of the Bible on page 295, he writes this. He says, Some historians would have people believe that the church of the early 2nd century or 3rd or 4th century probably formulated the final New Testament list. There has always been a problem with this appraisal because there's not a sliver of evidence that such a thing ever took place. The truth is, according to Dr. Ernest Martin, that when the early church fathers began to talk about the canon of the New Testament near the end of the second century, it is assumed that it was already in their midst. The first recorded discussion among the Catholic scholars about the books of the New Testament only concerned whether certain books in the list were lesser or greater rank, not which books were needed to form the official canon. So how did we get the 27 books of the New Testament? Let's time to take a short break again, but when we come back, we'll continue looking at five pieces of evidence that the 27 books of the New Testament were established long before the First Council of Nicaea, which was held in 325 AD, as many, including Dan Brown, claims. So don't forget to stick around to get today's code word for the e-guide on today's topic. We are right back after this with The Faith Experiment. If you have enjoyed this episode of The Faith Experiment, please help us get the word out by sharing our podcast with your friends and family. And don't forget to like us on Facebook. When peace like a river attendeth my way When sorrows like sea billows roll Whatever my life thou hast
is The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen, right here on Faith FM. Welcome back to The Faith Experiment. I'm Robbie Bergen, and this is episode 21 of The Faith Experiment, which I'm calling How the Bible Got 66 Books. And coming up is today's code word for the e-guide on this topic. And before the break, I was sharing with you that in this quest to understand how to study the Bible, there are a number of questions that need to be answered before we can get into the what we call the mechanics of Bible study. And so we've asked ourselves a number of questions like, what's the purpose of the Bible? Because this impacts our attitude to why, and to some extent, how we study the Bible. We next looked at the anatomy of the Bible, how it's been divided into testaments, categories, books, chapters, and verses which led us to explore the process of how do we get the Bible through revelation, through inspiration, and through the mind of the human prophet, which has led us to now question, how did we get 66 books? Now, we've already seen that as we look at these 39 books of the Old Testament that we have today, we can have absolute confidence that what we're reading today in our Old Testament is exactly the same laws and prophets and writings that Jesus would have used in his day. And what he was using we have confidence existed at least 200 to 400 years before his day as well because of the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls. Now, if you missed the start of the show or you want to catch up with some of the past episodes, be sure to check out the Faith Experiment on the Faith FM app on your app store or on the Faith FM website under the podcast section at faithfm.com.au. Now, before the break, we started to explore how do we get the 27 books of the New Testament And I share with you how that many have questions as to why we have just 27 books and why the books that make up the Apocrypha are not included. And I share with you how that Dan Brown, the author of the Da Vinci Code, he claims that the canon of the New Testament was established at the command of the Emperor Constantine. So let's look at five pieces of evidence that the New Testament list of the 27 books that we have today was in fact established long before the First Council of Nicaea, which was held in 325 AD, as many, including Dan Brown, have claimed. The first piece of evidence is what is known as the Meritorian Fragment. The Meritorian Fragment is a fragment of a document that consists of 85 lines, but the beginning of the fragment is missing, and the document ends really abruptly, hence the name Fragment. Now, this document was written in about 170 AD, But what makes this such an important document is that it has the oldest known canon or list of the books of the New Testament. The letter is a translation of a Greek document, and in the document it contains a list of 22 of the 27 books that we have in the New Testament. There are only five books that we have in our New Testament today that are not included in this list. But remember that this document is called a fragment because there are missing parts. The books that are missing from the list are the books of Hebrews, James, First and Second Peter, and Third John. So what this document shows us is that before 170 AD, the church already had a list of what was considered the New Testament. And from what we know in this document, 22 of our 27 books had already made the list by the middle of the 2nd century. Now, that's pretty remarkable. The second piece of evidence comes from Clement of Alexandria. Clement was a Christian apologist and a theologian who was born in 150 AD in Alexandria in northern Egypt. We find in Clement's works citations of all the books of the New Testament with the exception of the books of Philemon, James, 2 Peter, 2 John, and 3 John. This means that when we compare the works of Clement with the Meritorian fragment, the books of Hebrews and 1 Peter have also been added to the list, meaning that by the end of the 2nd century, 24 of our 27 books were already considered the canon and were already being referred to in Christian teaching. And this leads us to our third piece of evidence, Tertullian of Carthage. Tertullian was an early Christian author who was born in 155 BC in Carthage, which was in the Roman provinces of Africa. Over the course of his life, he wrote many articles and books, with six of them citing various New Testament books. Through his works, 
23 of our 27 books were cited. He cites all of the books of the New Testament with the exception of 2 Peter, James, and 2nd and 3rd John. And so this again confirms that by 225 AD, 23 of our 27 books were already being extensively used as Christian works. Our fourth piece of evidence comes from what is known as the 39th festival letter of Athenaeus. Athenaeus was a theologian born in 239 AD in Alexandria in Egypt. He wrote a letter which is now known as the 39th festival letter in 367 AD. And in this letter, he lists all of the books of the New Testament, the same 27 that we have today. Which means that by the end of the second century, there is clear evidence that the 27 books of the Bible that we have today in the New Testament were already seen and used as the canon of Scripture. And the fifth piece of evidence comes from Augustine of Hippo. Augustine was born in 354 AD in a Roman province in Africa. He is one of the most famous of the early Christian teachers. Now, he taught and believed that the New Testament canon came into existence in the time of the apostles themselves. This is what he wrote. Distinguished from the books of later authors is the excellence of the canonical authority of the Old and New Testament, which, having been established in the time of the apostles. And so, according to Augustine, the New Testament was established in the time of the apostles, which is considered from the ascension of Christ until the death of the last living disciple, which was John, who was thought to have died around 100 AD. And so, with these five statements, there's very compelling evidence that the 27 books of the New Testament that we have in our Bible today was established in the time of the apostles and has been listed and quoted for more than 250 years before the First Council of Nicaea. It's clear that no emperor and no pope and no church council met to command or to establish the New Testament canon. We can be sure that very early on in the lifetime of the apostles, the 27 books that we have today in the New Testament were already widely accepted as the canon of Scripture. You know, it's remarkable when you think about it, how that each of the 27 books that we have in the New Testament are traced directly to an eyewitness of Jesus. The book of Matthew was written by Matthew, a disciple of Jesus. The book of Mark was written by a disciple of Peter who wrote Peter's experience with Jesus. The book of Luke and book of Acts were both written by Luke who followed Peter and Paul and recorded their journeys. The book of John was written by John, the disciple of Jesus, who also wrote the three epistles of John and the book of Revelation. The books of Romans and the Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, the Thessalonians, and the book of Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and Hebrews were all written by Paul, who Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. The book of James was written by Jesus' brother. The two books of Peter were written by Peter, who was Jesus' disciple. And Jude was written by Jude, who was the brother of James. So, what does all of this mean to us today? What does it have to do with our topic of how to study the Bible? Just like every other topic we've been exploring so far, each question provides an answer that lays a foundation to our personal Bible study. You see, when we know how the Old Testament got its 39 books, and how that the books have been verified to be accurate with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls, we can have confidence that when we read, when we pick up, any of these 39 books and we're reading the exact words and the thoughts and the teachings of the original prophets who have seen and were moved by the Holy Spirit as they were inspired with the revelations from God. Nothing has changed. The messages are the same. And when it comes to the 27 books of the New Testament, we can have confidence that these are the same books which were held up by the apostles in their lifetime as the life and teachings of Jesus. We don't have to have questions around, oh, I wonder if it's exactly what the early church would have been reading or studying. We don't have to wonder if the apocryphal books should be studied or not. The reason that the apocryphal books were left out is because they contradicted the original writings of the apostles. 
We don't have to worry that some pope or emperor or some church or council decided what was in or what was out and somehow we're missing out on the complete picture. What we have today is what the original early church had and this greatly impacts how we study the Bible. Now, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I have this e-guide that I've put together on this topic. If you'd like to get a free copy of your e-guide delivered right to your phone, all you need to do is text this code word, hash FE21, hash FE21. Text that to 04888845311, and the Faith FM giveaway bot will reply to you asking a few details and then give you the link to today's e-guide. So text the code word hash FE21. That's the hash symbol or the pound symbol followed by FE as in the faith experiment and the number 21 for episode 21. No spaces, just hash FE21. Text that to 04 and we'll get you a link to today's e-guide. Well, next time on The Faith Experiment, we're going to continue exploring the idea of Bible study. What is it? How does it work? And a whole lot more. And don't forget to give me your feedback. I really do appreciate it. You can text me your comments or questions to 04888845311 or email me on robbie at faithfm.com.au. Well, that's all for now. I'll catch you next week at the same time right here on Faith FM for the next episode of The Faith Experiment. I'll see you then. You have been listening to The Faith Experiment with Robbie Bergen. Connect with us via text message on 04888 453811. That's 04888 453811. Or send an email to robbie at faithfm.com.au and let us know what you thought of this episode.